Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. Hey friend. Hi. What you been reading? Um, well, the last book I read that I really, really loved was I'm Glad My Mom Died. Oh, McCurdy. Yeah. Right? What's her first name? Uh Jeanette. Yes. It's so good. We I've heard it's good from it one is of our really other book good. club friends. Yeah. I may check that out because I like memoirs. Yeah. And I it's funny and dark and are good. You, are you listening to it? I listened to it, yeah. Oh, okay. And it's yeah. narrated by her. Yeah, I like memoirs that do that. Me mm-hmm. too. And I'm currently about halfway through Demon Copperhead. Oh, yes. Yeah. Is that Barbara Kingsolver? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Who wrote Poisonwood Bible, which, which we both love. Yes. Let's, let's talk about a book we both love. Yeah. That is not <laughs> Brandon Sanderson or uh, the one we always talk about. The Secret History. The Secret History. Yeah. yeah. That is also a book yes, we love, The Poisonwood that, Bible. That's a great book. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read anything by her since then. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Okay. But I'm really liking this. Oh, cool. Well, I went into a deep Stephen King <laughs> tunnel after our last episode. Fell right off the ledge. Well, I like I re-listened to The Gunslinger, and so I was like, well, going to do Drawing of the Three. So I listened to that on my way to work, and then I've been reading his new book, Fairy Tale. And I just have to say, like within the first 20 pages, he's dropping some pop culture references, as one does, one of which was Cujo. <laughs> Which is something he wrote, and I was like, "I want to be famous enough dude, to be self-referential." I that know. is the dream. I was like, "Good on you, man." Okay, <laughs> I love that for you, Stephen. It, it's still not for me the writing, but no, like, yeah. man, being cool enough to be self-referential. Yes, I was. Uh, I noted that. I was like, "Huh, okay, moving on." That. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's where I've been. I have a very important question for you. Please ask. What's the strangest thing in your refrigerator right now? Uh, there are so many. (laughs) (laughs) You have toddlers, Um, so I figured there's got to be something. I have toddlers. I'm notoriously bad about cleaning out the fridge. Um, strangest, not grossest. I mean... Like, I'm pretty sure there's some homemade cranberry sauce somewhere back in there from Thanksgiving. Oh, that's... It's it's February. That's funky then, by now. Yeah, um... I don't know. There's probably, like, one of those little fever patches you put on a kid's head, Mm -hmm. you know? Because I've had sick kids recently... Several half-open containers of yogurt or applesauce or yeah. whatever. Yeah, because of my kids. Yeah. It's mostly food. I mean, I will say. I'm just trying to think of the non-food items. Um, well, the building that we're in, uh, the refrigerator has nothing but a pitcher of water, water. and film. Yes, <laughs> camera film. Yep. We were like, oh, so they don't eat anything. Yeah. Have you it's ever just... seen people keep batteries in their fridge, too? I have, but I don't understand why. I don't either. Are they doing something special with the batteries that's not just pa- powering things? I, I don't know. I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> so, write in, listeners. Tell us. Do you I... keep batteries in your fridge? And <laughs> if so, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll need to ask Christy, why film in the fridge? I'm sure it's a very legit reason. I'm sure. I'm a photographer and I don't even know. I, I, I'm i not, so I definitely don't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was that was our random question for Thank the you. week. So, how does that tie into our book? It absolutely doesn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that I'm aware of. We didn't even try this time. Okay. I I browsed a couple and I was like, well, uh, cool. Okay, <laughs> this is one she might have an answer for. I do. You know, it would have been even more interesting if you'd asked about my freezer. Oh well, it's the same appliance. Yeah. What's in your I, freezer? I mean, is it a dead body? No. I mean, unless you count, like, chicken breasts, <laughs> you know, technically. You should have just been like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's some frozen dragon fruit up there. There's um, a lunchbox ice pack in the shape of sunglasses. Okay. That belongs to my child. I think there's, a like, a wet washcloth in a Ziploc bag that I used to keep up there for when the boys were teething that I still mm-hmm. haven't removed. Probably should. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
cool. That's me. Yeah, I just browsed the questions and I was like, well, she'll have an answer to this one. Some of them are like really existential and I... Oh, I'm not ready for that. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I didn't want to give you something where you're like, man, I'm going to have to think about this for like a long time. No, I just run through the little Rolodex in my head. Like, yeah. What's in there? Next time I'll give you a really tough one. So okay. be, be prepared to, like, self-actualize. All right. I will. I'll Great. think on that all week long. Great. <laughs> but in the meantime, we're going to talk about Verity. Someone who probably needed to self-actualize. Oh, boy, <laughs> did she. Yeah. Okay. So this week's book is Verity by Colleen Hoover. And I have a synopsis. It's long, but, like, a lot happens. Yes. Go ahead and synopsis away. Struggling writer Lowen Ashley, is that how you were saying it, Lowen? It's L-O-W-E-N, which just to me sounds like Lauren with a speech impediment. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, but I just want to Lowen? be like... Lowen? Like, Lowen? Just say... <laughs> Struggling writer Lowen Ashley is headed to a meeting in New York City when she witnesses a pedestrian get hit and killed by a truck. She is obviously very shaken up, and she is covered in blood and guts, and so she runs to the bathroom in a nearby restaurant, and a kind bystander helps clean her up, lends her his shirt, and then she runs on to her meeting, and her meeting is with the publishers for best-selling author Verity Crawford. They're looking for a ghostwriter to finish Verity's series because she is indisposed and cannot finish the last three books of her, like, famous series. Then... Turns out, kind bystander walks in, and it's actually Verity's husband, Jeremy. And he's the one who expressed interest in Lowen as the writer to complete Verity's work. Jeremy invites Lowen to their home in Vermont so that she can, so that Lowen can go through all of Verity's papers and notes about her unfinished manuscripts, which are apparently not digital at all and are only in unlabeled boxes. Yeah. (laughs) Their house is creepy AF. And made even creepier by the fact that Lowen has learned about the family's recent tragedy. Chasen, one of Verity's twin daughters, died of an allergic reaction. Months later, the other twin, Harper, drowned in the lake behind their house. And then Verity herself had a car accident, leaving her essentially unresponsive. And she's cared for by hospice nurses in an upstairs bedroom in this creepy AF home. Yep. When Lowen starts to go through Verity's papers, she finds a completed, printed-out manuscript labeled Verity's Autobiography. Uh, so be it. Yeah. Think, is what it's called. Yeah. But it's obviously Verity, Verity's autobiography. Lowen reads it and it is littered with raunchy sex. Um, truly more blowjobs than any woman uh, has ever given while not being paid. It's gross. Yeah. It was a lot. Even mm-hmm. for me. Between Jeremy's penchant for walking around without a shirt and all of this... <laughs> All of the various sexcapades in the autobiography, Lowen starts to have feels for him. Yep. When Verity's autobiography starts to get super weird and details numerous attempts to kill the twins, both before and after their birth. Yep. And a strong preference for Chasen over Harper, who she believes is on the autism spectrum. The autobiography gets, like, darker and darker, and the house gets creepier and creepier, and Lowen starts to feel like her life is in danger. Yes. Also, she has a son. Also, yeah. That is still alive in the house. Verity and Jeremy have a son. yes. He's also there. (laughs) I just felt I might bring him up, so crew is his Um, name. So things are definitely not as they seem. Are the Crawfords really chronics, people who have been dealt chronic tragedy, or is there something else going on? That is my very long-winded summary. Good. And I think I want to address up front one of the big things people talk about with this book, because it's hyped a lot, Mm -hmm. is the ending. Yeah, we are going to have to talk about We're going to have to talk about the ending. Right. And this is like a a big twist, big spoiler. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to go and have, like, the moment with this book, go away for a little while well, and I come was, back. We didn't talk about this before we started. Maybe we should have. I was going to suggest let's talk about all the other stuff. And then we can give you a timestamp. And then we'll go to the ending and just talk about the ending and okay. our, our opinions about it. Fair that. enough. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to talk about it, though. So we'll give you a little warning before we do that. Right. Okay. Gosh. You want to guess? You texted me during the week, like, we're going to have fun talking about this. Yep. And I don't know if that means it's a one. <laughs> I don't know. To me, this is, um, it has, like, the same outrageous level as Razorblade Tears, which you okay. hated. Okay. I think you gave it a one. Okay. I gave it a two. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. That's not that better. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it's not great, but um, <laughs> they're also just, 
wasn't as much to hate. Uh, we'll get into it. Okay. So yeah, I gave it a two star. It was, it was what it was. Um, <laughs> Still like, I know that this is the point of the podcast, but it's so depressing to me that you didn't like this book. Well, also, okay. But I, I knew don't even, you wouldn't like it. Like, Yeah. I don't even know where to start. Why did you think I wouldn't like it? I just like all the reasons. I don't know. <laughs> okay. okay. Sure. Um, it's a good question, and I probably should have thought about it before. I, well, I have a something to bring up. Okay, I don't need to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to address the audience. The genre I kept seeing this referred to as on like Goodreads and other things I read was romantic thriller. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a genre. Yeah. Also, it's a melding of two that I historically don't, don't like. like. So I didn't know if that went into your. I definitely, Choice. I would call it a thriller that has romantic elements. I think that is more fair. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, genre was part of it. It definitely leans on the outrageous. Like, you're here for the entertainment. Oh, yeah. Is this is this a thing that's, like, believable? No. no. Like, and I don't care. Right. I'm here for the party. I can see you and your literary fiction mind being like, okay, really? Like, Well, and that's why, in some ways, it made me think of They'll Never Learn. Mm-hmm. Which I I gave a one. I did not like because at the end of the day, it was like glorifying the outrageousness of it. Whereas this, the outrageous part is the story within the story. Like mm-hmm. Verity's autobiography. And every time you zoom back out and you get Lowen's perspective, she's horrified. Yeah. And like, that's how I feel as the author, or as the reader. So I felt more seen by this one and less like repulsed yeah. by it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I was, it's still repulsive. Some of the things Verity writes in her autobiography. But that's why I think I was able to give it a two instead of a one. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm going to start. I wasn't sure where to start. Sure. I'm going to start by reading an excerpt from the book that I, I'm going to let the book describe how I felt about it. Great. Because this is a writer's book. Lowen is a writer. Verity mm-hmm. is a writer. Okay. So early on uh, in chapter four, Lowen writes about her writing process. Okay. So here it is. For me, there are three steps to completing each of my books. One, start the book and hate everything I write. Two, keep writing the book despite hating everything I write. Three, finish the book and pretend I'm happy with it. There's never a point in my writing process where I feel like I've accomplished what I set out to accomplish or when I believe I've written something everyone needs to read. Most of the time I cry in my shower and stare at my computer screen like a zombie, wondering how so many other authors can promote their books with so much confidence. This is the greatest thing since the last book I wrote. You should read it. I'm the awkward writer who posts a picture of my book and says, it's an okay book. There are words in it. Read it if you want. (laughs) That is also how I feel about this book. (laughs) It has words in it. Read it if you want. <laughs> so, um, was the, I hated it as I started, I hated it <laughs> going through, and then I cried in the shower. No, well, okay. That part I included because Lowen was just, I can't with you anymore. She was, <laughs> she's so, that's only chapter four. She gets worse. Yeah, she's so self-deprecating and so down on herself. It just becomes cloying and mm-hmm. like, ugh, I can't with you. And that was one of the reasons I did not enjoy this book is the characters. Yeah, and I think I didn't realize until now, but, like, yeah, the characters aren't likable. And I think you really want to identify with a character. I like character-driven. I I read enough that, like, not every book has to have likable characters sure. for me. And especially with thrillers, it's like, it's fine if you're not likable. I have to be able to, like, follow you a little bit, you know? But... The unlikability of the characters didn't bother me at all, but I, yeah, I think it, I knew that it would bother you. Yeah, and it was it, they're unlikable, and then just, like, it's the same thing. Like, she's just down on herself yeah. and down on herself. I'm like, girl, you are a published writer. Like, take some props. But she, anyway, all the characters kind of just seemed one note to me. Pretty flat. Yeah. Lowen is, like, uh, your kind of writer. <laughs> Jeremy <laughs> is too perfect. The end. Verity is... Psychotic. Psycho <laughs> woman. Blah. Um, of course, we're only getting... Sure. She's comatose during most of the book. So, yeah. Crew, you got your token child thrown in there with really no personality. I mean, he's five, but I'm a four-year-old. He's got a personality. Um, there's the creepy nurse that's there that, yeah. like, always has side-eye for Lowen. I, <laughs> I wasn't always... Anyway, that's one reason I was like, oh, these characters are just a little flat. And then what you said about, like, it just being kind of... I don't know, like plot driven, the craft of it, the writing was not 
was not exciting. Um, <laughs> it was serviceable. No, it was just it was just like filler. It was I tried to compare this to something. I was talking to Brandon about it, and I was like, it's it's like literary junk food. <laughs> it was really easy to read. Yeah, like, I read it really quickly. It was a fast read, but it it doesn't have any staying power. You know, it just kind of like you read it and you're like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I actually have comments about her writing being like that in a positive way from someone else. So that's interesting. And that's fair. You brought that up. It's entertainment, Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of like I've talked before, like what I want from my TV. Like, yeah, it's junk food. It's okay. You know, this is fun to pass the time. The end. But it's not gonna like sustain you. I know that it's like gotten a lot of hype from book talk. Um, but kind of like in the same way, you know, Flamin' Hot Cheetos gets a lot of hype from the vending machines. Uh, they're delicious. <laughs> right. But they're not going to, like, sustain you. You can't Fine. You can't live on Flamin' Hot Cheetos. But I would happily eat a bag of Flamin' Hot Cheetos and read this book while watching junk TV. Like, oh, I would happily do yeah. all those things. They don't... Mm, they mess me up in the bathroom. Anyway. <laughs> so, that's kind of, I guess, how I've felt about this book. As far as the writing style, I was just... Like, I found myself... Just, like, my eyes sliding over words and, like, only sometimes really reading every third or fourth word. And just, you can go through it really fast. Yeah, just, not... like, filling in the gaps. Yes, exactly. So, it was it was fine for what it is. And if that's, like, what you're looking for, again, it has words in it. Read it if you want. Read it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, she also doesn't always do a good job with, like, spatial awareness when her when she writes. And Des- of describing things well? Yes, and I noticed this because I'm not good at spatial awareness, so I need it spelled out for me. But, like, there's a moment when Crew shows up when she pulls into their, to the Crawford's driveway, and he, like, shows up at her window. But I, like, I had to go back and reread it. I was like, wait, what happened? Mm-hmm. And then the first time, the first night she's there, Verity's in this hospital bed, and it's real creepy. Mm-hmm. And it starts creaking. And she goes to investigate. She thinks something nefarious is happening with the husband. It's not. It's just, like, turning her or whatever because, you know, bed source. But I I had to go back and read that twice, too, because I couldn't tell, was she at the top of the stairs listening? Was she at the bottom of the stairs? Because yeah. then Jeremy comes in and interrupts her, and I was like, wait, I thought she was here. No, she, and so... Yeah. And that was a creepy scene, and then it took me out of it because yeah. I was like, wait, I'm trying to figure out where she is. I don't know. That might be partially me as well. No, that... The writing blurb I have mentions that, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, go okay. on. <laughs> um, and then you already mentioned the sex scenes. They were gross. It, it was a lot. They were yeah. gross. They were perfunctory feeling and, like, repetitive. Also, I did not need that. <laughs> and I feel like my repertoire has expanded <laughs> since we started this podcast. And I've had better. <laughs> so, there you go. I'm so glad I could give you better. <laughs> there were lots of, I felt like, I don't know. Do you think this is... Would you call this a plot-driven or a character-driven? Plot. Okay. Yeah, I would too. But it is very wrapped up in Verity's character. Yeah. Since we've got her autobiography. But it, I think it's the plot points that are released by reading excerpts of her autobiography. Right. Right. And they co- the way that they match what's going on in the house. Yes. Okay. Um, so for a plot-driven novel, I felt like there were a lot of plot holes. Or not even... I'm not going to call them holes, like more like dropped threads that then mm-hmm. just don't get picked back up, like Lowen sleepwalks. I yeah. kept expecting that to have something more to do with the plot, and it really didn't. Um, Verity's parents get mentioned once, and they're very, like, estranged from her, and I thought, oh, maybe that, no, that didn't come up again. Crew is initially this really creepy child, <laughs> but he he's not later. I didn't know what was happening with him. Yeah, like, he... I didn't even mention him. Him, ugh. I didn't even mention him in the synopsis because it's pretty much like he was not. Yeah, I, but when he's first introduced, it's like a horror movie where it's like kid shows up at your window and, and just stares like, at oh, you. Which that's toddlers do that sometimes. I yeah, guess. but like usually not in like a psycho killer way. I don't know. It was just weird. Initially at the publishing meeting, Jeremy tells Lowen that Verity liked her writing and thought they had similar styles, but then like midway through the book, he tells her no, it was actually him that likes her writing style. I was like, oh, that's an interesting beat. That never gets brought up again. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, so there's just a lot of like dropped threads that I thought might go somewhere and, and did not. I also kept expecting the twins angle. Mm -hmm. Like now that I've read some more thrillers, I'm like, ooh, like they're twins and I... Like, 
does Verity have a twin? Does Loan have a twin? Does Jer- no? This- <laughs> They're just two twins that die. Oh. It's very sad. It it just kind of lacked substance for me, I guess. It leaned into the one component. Yes, of her autobiography. Yes. It leaned really heavy into that. Yes, and for the people who really hyped this book, that was so outrageous and compelling. The rest of it just kind of didn't matter. But right. I can see what you're saying. The rest of it kind of didn't matter. And I mean, while her autobiography does take up some chapters on its own, it's I would only say at most twenty five percent of the pages. Yeah, other. In the present, there was not as much meat. Right, right. Um, and then the the last thing I want to mention about just why I didn't like it, and that was all, like, just not my preference, but I I had some icky feelings, well, obviously, reading Verity's autobiography. You already mentioned she, like, tried to abort her children before they were born and then tried to kill one after they were born and had these weird feelings of her children. And it was outrageous. It was upsetting and it was supposed to be and I I got that what I didn't like was how it could how it it could possibly villainize people with postpartum depression Mm. because like I know a lot of people and and love a lot of people that have dealt with that I did not myself but I know that like jealousy is a real thing you can feel towards your child for a number of reasons and doesn't have to be rational with postpartum depression And Verity feels that with her children taking her husband away from her. And, like, her body image issues with getting pregnant, that's a very real thing. And so making it so outrageous, like, felt icky to me because I was like, ooh, but this is real, like... Well, and some people even do have the trouble of, like, feeling, wanting to harm their kids. And really good people who, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't psychopaths. No. And, yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't like the way I felt like it was villainizing. Yeah. It, it never said she had postpartum depression. It wasn't overt. That's just, I have a lot of people in my life that I have talked openly with me about it, and so that came to my mind. And then, too, her one twin girl, um, she has a clear preference for one over the other, and yeah. the one she does not prefer has Asperger's. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's upsetting also. Yeah. <laughs> um, villainizing, you know, a child who doesn't express... Express? Villainizing a child who doesn't express emotions, you know, like other kids. Well, I think it was villainizing Verity for not loving a child who doesn't do that. that's true. I didn't feel like Harper was painted as, like, an actually less desirable child, but that Verity was not a very good mom for thinking that she was a less desirable child because she had that. Yes, that's fair. Which is part of what makes her autobiography disgusting. Right. So that, yeah, you're right. And that one is a little less troubling than the postpartum. Yeah, Um, and the only defense I would have for the postpartum thing is that when they're much older, she's still just as crazy. Right. Um, But yeah, I totally, I didn't think about that, and I get what you're saying. And and you know, that it's a thriller, and like, you could probably find stuff like that in a lot of books, I'm sure. Like, oh, if you look at it from this angle, this could be bad. And so I'm not saying, like, it just made me think. It made me question made me feel icky which yeah she's definitely supposed to make you feel icky yeah oh i mean this entire book i was just like i think i need to take a clorox shower oh yes and i like a good disturbing book and i was like i think that i need to go just like get myself sprayed yeah it was um it was upsetting every time i got to her chapters i was like oh no not again (laughs) but you did you felt compelled to read like you had to keep reading so so did even you feel compelled to read? I did. I did feel compelled to keep reading. I I might have put this book down if I wasn't reading it for the podcast when she described trying to abort her children. Because I was like, oh, I can't. Because it's very visceral. Yeah. The way that. And there are some descriptions in here that are very. Yeah. And just unsettling. being a mom myself, like that hit me in a way it might not have, you know, five years ago. And I might have been able to keep going a little easier. But I don't know. I might have kept reading, even if it wasn't for the podcast. Um, You know, I I hate the word guilty pleasure, but, you know, just like a a junk food book. Like, okay, you know, entertainment. And one of the pros I have is it is very readable. Yes. Even though it's not particularly memorable in its sentences. (laughs) On a sentence level, it is very readable. Um, And I do think it was creepy. Yeah. It, in a way, I did not expect. I've never read a book... Where it's like there's this woman who is unresponsive, comatose, whatever we want to call her in this house. But then you have all these questions of, is she? And like these little tiny things that Loan starts noticing. And they're tiny enough to where it makes you as the reader question, is she seeing these things? Or is this woman really moving around? 
And I've never read a book like that, so that was cool. Yeah. Like, that was that was creepy. Satisfyingly creepy. I don't know. I'm glad that you found it creepy and, like, readable yep. and that you wanted to keep going. Yep. Those are the things I feel about this book. If the if at the end you went, like, there wasn't a lot of substance in that, true, fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's okay with me. Yeah. To me, that's still... I would take those same words and say, good book, check. Right. And you took those same words and, and I, said, not for me. I get why, you know, you would like it for those reasons. And I think that's something we talked about after recording last week's episode on Stephen King. It's like, at the end of the day, I don't need people to like the same books I do. But if you understand why I like them, that shows that you understand something about me. And so I was like, cool. I get why people like this book. I have students who have re- recommended this <laughs> book to me. Like, she's a big deal. <laughs> Colleen Hoover is, and so... Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about Colleen Hoover. <laughs> yeah, I knew about her probably more than any other book you've assigned me. Yeah, because we podcast. talked about this book before even having the idea for the podcast. Yes, I even mentioned to one of my students last week, hey, I started Verity, and she was so excited to talk to me about it. I'm sure I'll talk to her about it this week. So, I, I get it. It's yeah. just not for me. I didn't expect it to be. Oh, well, <laughs> that's, check. That's what we do we here. We have accomplished our goal. <laughs> Yeah, so that's all I have to say until we get to the ending. Yeah. So oh, man. do you want to, like, jump back and forth? or Let's talk about my stuff, and then we can talk about the end. Okay, sounds good. Okay. My history with this book, I was hanging out on Book Talk, which, right. for anyone who doesn't know, is just the corner of TikTok that's dedicated to authors books. and books. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a fun place to go if you're looking for things to read. Oh, yeah. And I saw a list of most disturbing books, and... I feel like it might have been around the fall, and I was like, you know what? I'm in to, you know, have something a little creepy. And so I don't know why, but I went out and immediately bought it. Maybe it was because I had heard a lot of hype, but honestly, when I put it on my, like, TBR list, I hadn't heard that much hype about it. It was just on this one list. Was there just a really long wait for it on Libby? I'm pretty sure. And you were like, I'll just buy it. I Yeah, like, I don't usually go and, like, well, I'll go to Target today and buy it. But I did, and I started reading it. And I, it was immediately not what I thought it was going to be. Oh, really? Um, okay. I did Because I didn't look into it at all. I'd never read this author. I'd never even heard of this author. And I pretty much decided of the list of, you know, most disturbing books to read this one because it had an attractive cover. And I'm a graphic designer, and I absolutely do judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And I was just, and the name felt, I was like, Verity, what is that? I wanted to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, and so I was just like, cool name, cool cover, gonna be creepy, I'm gonna read it. And I didn't look into anything else about it. And page one, I was like, this, I, what is this? <laughs> Page one, a guy dies. Yeah, like, first sentence, right? She was mm-hmm. like, I heard his skull crack before the blood Hold spatter. on, I got the book. Uh, I hear the crack of his skull before the spattering of blood reaches me. First sentence. We've had a lot of good yeah. first sentences lately. Yeah, mm-hmm. first sentence of the book. Uh, yeah, so immediately I was like, okay, yeah. what are we doing? And I will say, don't be ashamed about the cover. My sister's a librarian, and she'll she'll tell me, sometimes she decides to buy a book. For the library. I mean, we wouldn't have covers on them if you weren't supposed to be attracting people with the cover. I mean, she works at a a public school library. Like, kids want to pick up something that looks interesting. Yeah. You know. So once I started reading it, I could not put it down. And you're right. There's not so much substance, but I had to get to the next chapter and Mm -hmm. know what happened. And so I pretty much, like... I read this book at work. I like I read this book like late at night. I started it and did not do anything else until it was over because I just had to finish it and I have no regrets. Yeah, it's definitely a book you could take to like the beach. Yeah. It, you know. It's a it's a vacation book. Yep. Like um so as one does, I looked into the author because I was like, "Oh, okay. I guess I like this author. Who is she?" Well, <laughs> tell me. Just- I know nothing about her. So I think I'm about to go find a bunch of other, like, dark, disturbing, twisty thrillers. Nope. Colleen Hoover is a prolific romance writer. Okay. She has, <laughs> I think it's 16 romance novels and a cult-like internet following that calls her Coho, and they call themselves Cohorts. Oh, wow. That's a lovely shortening. I know. Uh- that's clever. And, like, seriously, if you spend enough time on Book Talk, it does not take long. It, Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover, Colleen Hoover. And I was like, who is this woman? Like, literally, I'd never heard of her. Wow. And people say now, if your first Colleen Hoover book is Verity, you're going to be confused. Because sure. all the rest of them are, like, hit you in the groin sad romances. Oh, sad romances? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to make you read one later. Oh, dear. It's fine. <laughs> 
like Lurleen McDaniel, are they? I don't know. Sad high school romance. No. Okay. Okay. Good. I've now read two of these romance novels, and okay, they're good. Okay, they're good. I want to go into why her romance novels are better than regular romance novels, but we're not here to talk about her romance novels. We're here to talk about Verity. We'll save it for another and day. another time. This makes more sense because I have heard people say if you start with Verity, you're starting with her best one, and you'll be disappointed later. Mm. But I, it, it's just a again a matter of genre. Yeah, like, best. That's a confusing word. Right. Like, if you're you, starting with one that's a completely different expectation from her other novels. Right. Right. So this makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I did eventually pick up her romances because I was like, I mean, I did like her writing, so let's just see what she can do. But yeah, nothing else you read by her is going to be like Verity. Okay. So I was like, how do we get here? How did you write Verity? Which other people had the same question. Fair, fair question. So in an interview for Anna's Attic, she was asked this question because it makes sense. Um, and she, this is a quote, I can narrow it down to a couple of things. For one, Jeremy's character was inspired by my husband and how he doesn't read my books because he has a hard time separating my character's thoughts and actions from my own morals. Heath. Oh. Yeah. We're going to come back to that. Heath, my husband, is very concrete in his thoughts, and I wanted to use that piece of him to inspire a character in this book. But the idea for Verity came to me as my mother and I left a theater earlier this year. We had seen a scary movie, and I left disappointed because I hated the ending. I thought the first half of the movie was brilliant, but then when the paranormal aspect was introduced, I was let down. Paranormal things don't scare me. Real-life situations, things that can actually happen to you, is what scares me. I was complaining to my mother about how I was hoping the movie would end with it being something that could possibly happen to me in real life. When I got home, I started writing an outline. Several hours later, I had completed an outline for Verity. Oh, cool. So, again, somebody, like, noticing a lack or, yeah. like, this is... I think that's what historically, like, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, they were like, we want to... There's not the fantasy we want to read out there. Let's go write it ourselves. Yeah. Like, she did that. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting about her husband. So one of the things about this book we haven't mentioned yet is that Jeremy, Verity's husband, yes. does not read her writing because the first book was like, she writes thrillers. And as you can tell by her autobiography, she's kind of twisty and dark and twisty. And Well, all of her thrillers are told from the perspective of the villain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And he just, he like didn't like reading in that voice. And it's his wife. So he was just like, I'm not going to read any more of your books, which I thought was interesting that he couldn't separate those things. But at the same time, I've had, I've been really embarrassed sometimes when um, offering my writing to my friends. Right. Or yeah, so far the only, uh, we've mentioned before that I've written three novels. So far, the only people who have read them are some of my friends and some beta readers that I've paid or like critique partners and several agents. And I told Brandon, your husband, when he was going to read my book, I was like, please just, like, forget that you know me. <laughs> well, it's a vulnerable act. Yeah. Yes. It's very weird. And there, especially with my second book, because some elements of it do come from a part of my real life, I was like, I need you to know that this is not, like, a tell-all confessional. Like, right, this is not. Right. These things did not happen in right, real life. Right. But everybody starts with what they know. Yeah. Even a fantasy novel, the relationships or the, you know, yeah. situations that happen. And it's weird because, I mean, I write thrillers so far. And so obviously things happen in my books that are not actions that I condone. Right. Of course. And, of course. But then, like, you're writing them from these characters and you're explaining, like, this quote unquote good reason why they did this thing. And so I'm like, I don't kill people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um Especially my books are really voicey and a lot of the characters really do talk and think like me. So I can see how it would be. I'm like, okay, so this is me, but it also is not me. I figured you had some like, you identified with some of the writerliness of Mm -hmm. this plot and these characters. Yeah. And there's very, there's something very true about the fact that you leave yourself on the page. That's one of, Mm -hmm. like, writer tropes. You leave yourself on the page. Even if you don't actually feel that emotion, for a moment, you do have to feel it. You might have to make yourself identify with this fictional character, but but if you're going to write them believably, you have to write, like, what's a good reason to kill somebody? And you have to feel it for a second while you, you know, write it down. No, that's a real thing in composition studies, like, when you're teaching writing, um, Peter Elbow talks about the believing game. Like, he's a 
academician that talks about teaching writing. And yeah. So that's that's a very real thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so some of it's going to be explained in your own words and your own logic. And I've been especially nervous about Kyle reading them and being like, is she really like this? And she just doesn't say it out loud. Is this just the stuff she doesn't right. say? And right. <laughs> the answer is no. I also really identify with thinking something is much more genuinely scary if it is not paranormal. And so I, I do especially like books where is there a paranormal element to this? Is this a ghost? Is this something? And then you're like, nah, it's people and people suck. Yeah, I I actually never thought this was paranormal. I didn't really either, yeah. but like I get what she was. Oh yeah, I do that, too. That like creepy ghost story vibe is in this book it without does. it actually being ghost story. Right, right. What I loved, I thought it was unputdownable, engaging from beginning to end. I thought it perfectly deployed eeriness without going into paranormal, like I just said. Yep, um, it did do that well. Characters who were not likable, but I couldn't figure them out. Like, I like a puzzle. And right. so all of these characters, I was like, are you the good guy or the bad guy? Wait, huh? And I liked looking at each of them and going, which one of you is banana pants? And the answer is all of them. The answer is yes. <laughs> D, all of the above. I'm not going to talk about the ending, except that it is left open to interpretation. Yes. And I loved that. That was my other pro I was going yeah. to bring up. And I had a serious book hanger hangover after this was done. I was just like, I have to talk to somebody about this book. Yes, this was a good book to choose for a book podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so lastly, I'll talk about the author, Colleen Hoover. Coho. Coho. There's been, like, a phenomenon around her because she's not a new writer. Right. She's been writing for, like, a decade at least, and she has tons of published novels out, and it's only been in the last couple years that everyone is talking about her, and this is largely due to TikTok, and that's just, like... She thanks them in the acknowledgments of this book. Yeah. Yeah. Like... She'd been writing for a long time, and no one knew of her, and then all of a sudden, everybody is talking about her. This is from an article on Slate.com. On any given week, for more than a year now, the 42-year-old Hoover has had three to six books on Publishers Weekly's top ten bestseller list. Currently, three of the top five titles in the New York Times combined print and e-book fiction list are Hoover's. The most popular of these titles, It Ends With Us, isn't even new. It was published six years ago. A forthcoming sequel to that novel, or possibly a prequel, it's not clear yet, It Starts With Us, will be published in October. Its perch at the summit of both lists is guaranteed. So I just think that's crazy. And then here's the writing stuff that we talked about. Okay. This is still from that article. The blandness of Hoover's characters makes them easy for anyone to identify with, and the smooth, featureless quality of her prose makes her novels easy to breeze through in a day or two. (laughs) They are built of cliches, which is not necessarily a drawback in romance fiction, where the deployment of familiar devices feels comforting. This also appeals to people who view themselves as non-readers because they lack the patience or interest for literary prose. For such readers, C.S. Lewis once wrote, Cliché makes reading effortless because it is immediately recognizable. My blood ran cold is a hieroglyph of fear. Any attempt such as a writer might make to render this fear concrete in its full particularity is doubly a choke pair, which I don't know what that means, to the unliterary reader. For it offers him what he doesn't want and offers it only on the condition of his giving to the words a kind and degree of attention which he does not intend to give. It is like trying to sell him something he has no use for at a price he does not wish to pay. Hoover never, for example, wastes words in conjuring a sense of space or atmosphere. Yes. So this writer was talking about how, like, she does not waste time on, like, and several of the books you recommended will spend a paragraph just describing the room we just walked in, which which is neither good nor bad. But like, yeah, it's a matter of taste, I suppose. But yeah, like really setting the space. What does this house look like? Uh, what do the characters look like? What's the smell? All that. She spends no time on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, what was it he said? Bland and featureless. Yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, I don't know what any of the characters look like. Nope, have no idea. <laughs> I don't know the three main characters: Jeremy, Lowen, and Verity. I have no idea what any of them look like. Nope. The house. To, to me, it was just like, it's big and creepy. 
Yeah, the I mean, her Verity's office got the most description because that's yeah. where Loen is spending her time going through her writing. She finds the manuscript, right? But yeah, like especially for a book that's really based in the creepiness of this house, mm-hmm. you don't hear a lot about it. You don't get no. big descriptions of like the staircase and the windows and all that. She doesn't do that. Nope. And that's what makes it really easy to read one of these books in like an afternoon, even though they have, yep. you know, a reasonable page count because you can just breeze through them. And then at the end, you might go, that didn't have any substance. But for people who just want entertainment, there you go. Yeah. I, I see that point. I'm grappling with my feelings about this, especially what he said about non-readers wanting mm-hmm. to pick up her work. Like, I'm an English teacher. I Yeah, that appeals to me. I want my students to pick up books and I'm always constantly telling them that it doesn't have to be Charles Dickens. I don't like Charles Dickens, Um, (laughs) you know? So, so I appreciate that. But then also like, I feel like there needs to be, I feel like she's just a little off balance Mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Like I do appreciate that aspect of her readability, but then like the spatial awareness thing, like it took me out of the story because I didn't, I didn't understand what happened. Like put a little bit more in there. So, I get the full effect of your creepy scene and not have to be like, wait, well, what's going on? Right. And then also, like, I want my students to graduate from junk food yeah. <laughs> to something more sustainable, um, which if you use this as a launching pad for other thrillers or other romance, um, and since this has both, that's cool that you can kind of go either way. That's... I do know that Colleen Hoover has brought people who do not read into reading. and I, That's great. I know I that at that. some point they are going to have to read something that's not Colleen Hoover. <laughs> like, right, right. Um, and I do think that her other books maybe have more of that, like better descriptions, more substance. I, I haven't thought about it before. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure that – I don't want to dumb things down. I mean, C.S. Lewis – it's C.S. Lewis, so I hate to argue with him. But like, <laughs> <laughs> well, what he, he's talking about cliches. Yeah. And then, yeah, what if he, your blood runs cold? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's true. That's a good shorthand for fear. But then, you know, I also really appreciate Emily Dickinson's zero at the bone for mm, fear. You know, Right. But the fact that he was saying, like, if if things get too literary, you're trying to get people, trying to sell them something at a price yes. that, that they don't need at a price they don't want. And, like, I get that, but it, I don't know. Well, I think it has to be a balancing act. Yeah. Like, if you're all zero at the bone and know your blood runs cold, then you might not know what's going on. You've got to have, you know, like we've talked about with genre, you've got to rely on the expectations and structure enough to be recognizable, but then play with it and do something interesting with it. Yeah. And I think for me, Colleen Hoover was just a little off balance with that interest level of... I can agree with that. Like, it leaned completely on Mm -hmm. the shock factor of the autobiography, which was for me entertaining and sensational enough that I didn't care that it leaned solely on it. But yeah, you kick that over and like, yeah, <laughs> it, it crumbled. It, it, right, yeah. I just thought that was interesting that this article mentioned a couple of the writing things that you Yeah, I mentioned. really, like, I'm glad you brought that up. That's because it does have merits and then also drawbacks. So yeah. This is cool. I'm going to be thinking about this. The only other thing I have to talk about is the end, so. Okay, so here's. Here's where we talk about the ending. All right. See you later. <laughs> okay. The ending. It made me think of Life of Pi. Oh, yeah. Because it presents you with two narratives, two opposing narratives at the end, and you have to decide as the reader, which one do you believe? I know, and I love that. I, that that was cool. Yeah. Good on you, Colleen Hoover. That was cool. I, I liked that. I really want to know which one you believe. I, I want to know you, too. I feel like I can tell which one you believe from how you've uh, talked about it. Okay. Should we? Okay. we've ta- Let's set this up in case you haven't read it, dear listener. So we've been reading the manuscript of Verity's the entire time. And yes. at the end of the book, Verity is dead and Lowen finds a letter that she wrote in her room that nullifies the entire autobiography. Yeah. That states it was a writing exercise. So that she could be put in the mind of a, a villain so that she could write her series that is written from the perspective of a villain. Yes. So it's, it's called antagonistic journaling. Had you heard of that? No. I wonder I wonder if it's a real thing or if I don't know. made it up. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. And this letter reveals that the Verity in the autobiography was not the real Verity. And that Jeremy 
tried to kill her, which was why she was in the wreck. Yeah, so Jeremy found out about some of the stuff in the autobiography and believed it and tried to kill her and painted it as, you know, a car wreck that was an accident. And she's in a coma anyway, so whatever. She's not saying anything. Right. But then maybe she is saying things because she's actually awake. Yes. Um, So it's so but there's enough doubt for there to be, which one do you believe? Do you believe the Verity in her manuscript was r- the real Verity? Or do you believe the Verity in the letter was the real Verity? Yeah. Like, because she, Lowen even says at the end, was this just another attempt at manipulation? Yeah. But, you know. She wrote both of them. She, she did. And, yeah. I I came up with so many reasons. I, I, I thought about this for so long after I read it. Ultimately, though, I am on the side of the manuscript. I think that is the real Verity. Me too. Really? I, yeah. I thought you would. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. So, reason one. Go. I understand, you know, needing to get into a certain mind. But, like, first of all, I've never found that to be that difficult as a writer to get into the mind of a villain. And if I were going to do a writing exercise where I got into the mind of a villain, I would not murder my own children in that story it makes me ill i mean i'm so glad you're saying this we talk about like if maggie ever got in an accident and all of a sudden i'm like stop 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 you you put you put that bad juju out in the world take it back take it back take it back and i just like knock on all the wood i can find like absolutely nothing can ever i don't even want to yes exactly i could never write out my daughter's death even if it were a death by a complete accident and i as a villain had nothing to do with it i would vomit absolutely like i agree it's not even physically possible and i wouldn't do it for a pithy writing exercise i would not do that to myself i would have to go to therapy for the rest of my life for a writing exercise (sighs) if you're a good enough writer just write the darn book yes i've never agreed with you more on this (laughs) i'm just so glad you Assign this book so we could have this moment. Because I, I wrote down, I don't care how good of a writer you are, you couldn't write those things about yourself. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to write this character that does all these horrible things, and even Colleen Hoover does that. But you to write them about your own child's death. Uh, yeah. Uh, nope, nope. I could even... I mean, I haven't given any more thought than the sentence I'm saying right now, but, like, I could even make myself the villain. Like, it, I could write down... A writing exercise where I live out my darkest, most revengeful fantasies of, like, the girl who messed with me in high school and, like, instead of being the bigger person, I go and do whatever. I could do that. Don't touch my kid. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I, I agree. No mom can do that without actually having a little bit of a psychopathic thing going on. It's awful. Between her and her kids. And it's not one. It's repeatedly. She has a consistent action of violence towards all of her kids from start to finish. And it is, it's, the descriptions are visceral. Yes. It is icky. Yes. And it, that is not a writing exercise. That is a mental illness. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree with you entirely. Yeah. And then the manuscript, her quote-unquote autobiography, goes up to, like, the week before she had her accident, her quote-unquote accident. That was not an accident. It includes... So her writing exercise, she's written an entire series of books, and her agent might have suggested, hey, go do this exercise so you can better get into the mind of a villain uh seven books ago but this but she kept writing she kept doing it and this autobiography goes to the death of her first the first death of her child one of them dies by an accident yeah an allergic reaction an allergic reaction which she does not take credit for in the book either but she also thinks that harper maybe did it yeah because she had a dream that one twin was gonna hurt another yeah i don't know it was weird um but then her the other twin dies in an accident. She tacks that onto the manuscript. Like mm-hmm. I, it would have to be like the week of the second child's funeral. She was like, you know what I should do, you know, to help with my trauma of losing my second child in the last couple months. Yep. Turn back to my villain manuscript and write out how I actually did it. Really. 
No, if you're going to no. write through your grief, you write about how it didn't happen or how you yeah. saved her in the end. And that's, that's, what, how, like, that's what you're doing while, like, the people are still eating the cucumber sandwiches at the wake. You're... No. You're in your office, and then you print it, and th- and then you, like, say, hey, this is a dark autobiography. Don't go any further. It gets really, like, girl, no. 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 And, yeah. I don't believe she could have written that either. I, I'm just going to agree. That's all. Fair. I, there are other reasons I think the manuscript over the letter Tell me. is the real verity. There's too many holes that are unexplained. How she claims that Jeremy, you know, tried to hurt her, but she's not actually comatose. There were brain scans. He says he saw them. How did she fake doctor's brain scans? Like, yeah. you, can't, you can't do that. Um, also, it was not clear how Jeremy supposedly faked her accident where she drove into a tree. How did he drive her car into a tree and be fine himself? I don't understand. I don't know. That is not explained to my satisfaction. Why does she have so many, like, creepy slip-ups around... Lowen and not Jeremy to like reveal like I think she's messing with Lowen. Yeah. I think her letter at the end is a final manipulation tactic, not against Jeremy, against Lowen. To make Lowen feel bad. Yes, because she knows that she is now, you know, falling in love with her husband and her husband's falling in love with her. Yeah. This lady's crazy and she's jealous and she's trying to mess with the mind of this other woman. Yes. That letter was, even though it's addressed to Jeremy, it's for Lowen. Mm-hmm. It's not for Jeremy. Um, like, Loan has taken the place of her twin girls as her object of jealousy. Like, you've mm-hmm. taken the love of my husband, you know. Also, in the letter, she claims that she was up at night searching for the manuscript. Loan found it, like, within minutes. Immediately. <laughs> How did Loan just find it and you were up if you didn't plant it there? Like, I also think that was a manipulation tactic. Yeah. Anyway. It was like, I could not find this manuscript that I searched high and low, the basement, my office. Like, well, I found it in a box, like pretty much immediately. I know. I was like, no. And no. then, like, she was reading it, so I doubt she stuck it back in the box underneath everything. She probably left it on the desk on the page that she was on, and like, yeah, Verity couldn't find it. The only, the uh, and Lo- uh, I have so much to say about Lowen. Lowen like seems to believe this right off the bat, which is yeah. weird to me. And I'm like, you're a writer, Lowen, like. Your reaction, Has anyone ever suggested that you do that? I know. Your reaction as a writer is like, I would never do that. Loen, come on. Why you believe in this chick? Like, yeah. And like, Loen doesn't even think she's that good of a writer, but she's never had to do that no. exercise. I'm not a published writer, but I wouldn't be like, you know what I should do? I should... And she, like, she immediately starts thinking, Jeremy, this man I have fallen in love with, yeah, maybe he could have, like... He must be the person who tried to kill her. Yeah, the only doubt that she, the only evidence she offers for, oh, he probably did try to kill her, is that when she presents the manuscript to him at the end of the book, he didn't ask, what is this? He asked, where did you find this? Oh, that must mean he already knew about it. I'm sorry, that's a reasonable question, I think, to ask. Uh, Yeah. I don't think that's enough... To condemn the poor man. Well, and didn't... He knew about the manuscript because that's how he found out that... Well, that's what Verity claims. Oh, that's what Verity claims. In the letter. That he found out about it and that's why he tried but to But if you her. accept that the manuscript yeah, is the yeah, real yeah. Verity, that was the first time he Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I would ask that question too. Yeah, I would ask, where did you find this? Yeah, and I, I also think if you accept the letter over the manuscript, then you have to also accept that Jeremy has been manipulating Lowen this entire time. Yeah. If you accept that narrative, then you have to accept that he's not just a regular guy who's a good dad and flawed because of his grief, but that he is a legit manipulative, pretty bad guy. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough evidence for that. It doesn't Which is check like, out. That's what makes the other option fun and, like fun to think about of these two stories is like, right. oh my goodness, is he the crazy one? And I did go through I, a lot of reasons. Like, was he doing this the whole time or was he, you know? Yeah. I don't think there's, ev- I don't think there's enough evidence. There. I don't either. He lets crew, his five-year-old kid, hang out in Verity's room with her yeah. after the accident. I'm like, if you really thought this woman killed your other kid, would you do that? I don't care how comatose she is. I like, would not have her living in my house. I would have her in like no. a a facility. No, and Verity's explanation for that in her letter is he's just such a good man. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That you don't I like don't, him. You don't you don't claim he tried to kill you and then also, but he's such a good man, so he's taking care of me. 
Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, and then at the same time, though, the autobiography is, like, ridiculous. All that sex, like, and she brings that up in the letter of, like, really? You think anyone has that much sex? And it's but like... But then... There is physical evidence of, of the sex she describes in their in house. Their room, there yeah. are teeth marks on their headboard that yeah. confirm what she writes in the autobiography. Which, like, if you're writing out your entire life, you can choose which details to, like, really hype up and focus on. And she obviously decided to focus on her <laughs> she really violence did. and sex. Yeah, which she was very obsessed with her husband. Yes, she really was. Seems clear. Yes. Um, did you think it's weird that he didn't think she was a crazy person while they were married and she was it seemed like she kept it pretty hidden she only acted like that in front of the kids but did you ever go like how would he not know i thought about that but he's also he's also lost both of his daughters too yeah like he's just surviving yeah the poor man is just getting through so i don't think he's gonna notice some of the things that lowen notices i i totally believe the manuscript i'm just yeah devil's advocating a little bit yes please do this is what's fun about the ending of this book. Uh, it's it's a lot to talk about. Okay, and here's the other nail in the coffin. I think Verity reveals herself when she says in her letter, like, other writers will understand. <laughs> Lowen reads her entire autobiography and does not understand. Yeah. You're not just being a writer. You're being a psycho. And Lowen doesn't even have kids. And she's no. like, this feels icky. It's like, case closed. Done. Like, yeah. Nope. You just spun me an entire narrative, Colleen Hoover, about a writer reading another writer's work that she's horrified by, and then that writer's like, oh, well, any writer would understand. Nope. No, she did not. Sure don't. She did not understand. I I think there is a way you can interpret it as Jeremy has kind of set this up. You know, he subtly flirts with Lowen. He reveals he's the one who read her book and picked her for this job, not his wife. There are little things that kind of throughout that I think if you wanted to read this book that way, you can make a case for it. Yeah, I mean... Like, you and I are clearly on the side of the manuscript, but I think there's also a side to be made for the letter. Yes. And that's the cool thing about how Colleen Hoover ends this book. Yeah. There's... There are legitimately people out there who are like, no, I'm on the side of the letter, and like, you know what? You might be right, but... Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's like Life of Pi. Which narrative do you choose to believe? Yeah. Like, and I choose to believe that no one could fake that writing. Exactly. I choose to believe the manuscript. I mean, I have my reasons, but ultimately I know, like, that's the one I'm going to I'm gonna stick with. Yeah. So I have to ask, do you know about the bonus chapter? I saw a reference to it. Yes. Okay. Are we going to talk about it? I Well, when I mentioned to my student that I was reading this, she mentioned the bonus chapter to me. And I was like, oh, there's a bonus chapter? And I, like, did a little Googling. Not a lot. But enough to be disappointed I in Miss Hoover. I know. What? This We're just talking about how this is the coolest part of the book. You can make a case for either side. Why would you release a bonus chapter that makes it clear which one actually happened? Why would you take that away from us? I know. I <sighs> I didn't like that. The fact that that happened either. Like, I'm just disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can just, you know, it's not canon. We can just say... No, I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. Do you know anything about it? I essentially know that it makes the letter the true. I know, me too. And that is not the world I live in. So, okay, we're going to just ignore it. It's not canon. I don't care. (laughs) It's it's the end. (laughs) Okay. Have we said all we needed to say? I think so, yeah. I bet the one-star reviews on this are awesome. Let me tell you, I've never had so much fun (laughs) looking up one and and two, one and two-star reviews. Um, I didn't even have to dive deep. Oh, I bet not. The day I finished this, I went on Goodreads, I marked it as red, I gave it my rating, and you know how it shows you, like, the first three reviews? Mm -hmm. The first one was a two, the, like, second or third one was a one, and they were both brilliant, and I was like, done. Done. Case closed. (laughs) I really found that I enjoy, even for books I liked, enjoy reading one and two star reviews that are really funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I've, I know I've sent you some before. So we should have a bonus episode where we just read reviews oh, written in the style of the book. Yes. Start saving those. We should do a bonus episode with those. So both of these, um, I'm going to give you three. And the first two are very long. And I've cut them significantly. <laughs> but they're so darn funny. I'm going to encourage... You listeners, if you want to go find these reviews and read the entirety of them, they're they're gold. Um, so this is Mariva. She starts off her review with, 
2.5 stars? Question mark. <laughs> and it goes from there. And again, I've cut out a lot. Um, I just kept her highlights. This was straight up hilarious. The funniest creepy book I've ever written. Uh, read. I, I'm assuming that should say read. <laughs> yeah. The funniest creepy book I've ever read. Did I hear that people cried while reading this? I sure hope it was tears of laughter or pain because y'all need to explain. <laughs> Immediately, I want to express just how much the heroine ruined this whole book for me. Reading from her POV was like taking a knife, exposing every nerve in my body, and pouring vinegar all over them. <laughs> to be truthful, I don't even remember her name. Every time it was spelled out, I read it, and then instantly my brain knows self-preservation. It erases the letters as if I never saw them. Lauren? Mulan? Rowan? No clue. <laughs> I just have to say, this whole review, the entire time, she never uses the same name <laughs> to refer to Lowen. It's always a different, like, it's hilarious. Whereas I'd be shivering in me timbers right along with the heroine, the horror aspect of this book followed by Wulan's <laughs> dramatic reactions were too freaking funny. It distracted me. And I have to say, there's a meme there in the... Uh, do you know Spirited Away, the movie? Yes. There's a meme she put in there of, like, somebody dressed as the spirit no-face, but, like, <laughs> labeled Verity, chasing somebody dressed as in a Chihiro costume labeled Lowen, like, down a hall. It was so funny. You must understand that although the suspense was was okay, and plot twists, even if below average, were at least emotion-inducing. The romance was the blandest, stalest, dullest, driest, most flavorless, and uninspiring piece of crap I have ever read, ever. In fact, I even scrounged up some fan casting for you guys. I had such a clear picture of Jeremy in my head, I just had to share. And this is just a... That's a two by four. That's a two by four. That's a picture of a two by four. That's just wood. <laughs> Jeremy's a picture of a two by four. Turn the page. Oh dear. <laughs> and then Lumon. <laughs> yeah, Lumon. It's just like a it's choked a, up piece of wood. It, it's a piece of like bark. Yeah. <laughs> Their sex scenes were also about as hot as you'd expect two pieces of wood humping each other would be. <laughs> hey, that's how you create fire. <laughs> Anywho, the ending, we're not going to talk about it. it. And not even because I was mad or shocked, I simply didn't care. Verity carried this book, and she was kind of brain dead for 99.9% .9 of it. Nothing will change that power. <laughs> yeah. So that was my excerpts from Mariva's review. I really like her changing the name every time. It's so funny. Like, it's a very long review, but every time it's different. <laughs> I think she calls her, like, Lululemon at one point or something. <laughs> Okay, this is a one-star review review from The Girl in Pink Ski Mask. The Girl in the Pink Ski Mask. The Girl mask. in the Pink yep. Ski Mask. Writing, offensively bad out of five. Plot, non-existent out of five. Ending, abysmal out of five. The writing was appallingly bad. Even a blind person didn't need this much detail. Did we need to know that Verity's writing software of choice is Microsoft Word? No, we did not need to know Lowen picked up her drink, took it to the stove, filled her bowl with spaghetti, reheated it in the microwave, then went to the fridge to grab a glass of water before sitting down at the dining room table. No, but yet we do. <laughs> the gratuitous sex was literally like being at a 14-year-old boy's wet dream. <laughs> Disgusting. I literally skipped pages and pages of sex. What in the Fifty Shades of Gross is this? <laughs> How did it add to the story? If you're horny, there's porn. Please, we don't need this in a thriller. <laughs> also, also, this book did no favors for writers, to be honest. Saying stuff like, I write suspense novels, of course I know about your girlfriend, doesn't make any sense. I'm like, wow, is her brain okay? What is the correlation? <laughs> That's true, I don't know what the correlation is. Plot holes? Nah, plot craters. How did she fake the brain scans? Why didn't Jeremy just kill her when she came home from the hospital? Maybe I missed something? Girl is up at night sneaking around opening bank accounts but can't reach out to a friend and be like, help! <laughs> <laughs> you don't use this whole autobiography as a reason because your publisher could corroborate your story and you're telling me you never discussed it with her afterward? Pros and cons. Pros. I finished this and had plenty of laughs with Chantel, my friend. Cons. I read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This last one is a, is a one-line, one-star review. 
From Hannah Azarang. Sure. The unseasoned Walmart brand version of Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> unseasoned Walmart brand. It's great value. <laughs> great value thriller. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's the value that it is. It is, listen, it has, it has words. words. And read, read it if it, you want yep. to. <laughs> it was really fun to talk about, though. I'm glad you picked it. One of these days we'll read one of her romances and uh, maybe we'll have just as many, you'll have just as many thoughts about this. I will. You'll I'm hate sure. it. Which Probably. is the point. Yep, this is true. We're we, here. We chose to do this. this. Yep, we do it to ourselves. What am I going to hate next week? Uh, next week I have assigned Stephanie to read Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, uh, in part because we referenced her in our O Caledonia episode. Yes. She wrote the, the foreword, so we will dive into some historical fiction next week. All right. Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussions of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to Montague Workshop. See you next week. thinking is this a paranormal element is element not element <laughs>